So when he says he's working, like, okay, what do we think? I, I wish I could do a good PJ imitation. I would like pretend I'm PJ on here and kind of. Can you do this. any good imitation? I cannot. I'm, I'm really, <laughs> You're like, uh, I struggle many, just to be Bill. I'm, of my many skills, imitation is not one of them. So, <laughs> yeah. So PJ, shout out PJ wherever you are. Um, yeah, he's working, a, wherever he's, you're working today. He's a coach. Look, work if you could get it. I said that when I was coaching, I was like, if I just had any action, I could double my rates. Keep but, up uh, the pressure, mate. Keep up the pressure. Come on, you got, you've got this. You've got <laughs> this. You've got this exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, you're he's gonna get. He's gonna get pissed at us for doing this. So. Yeah, well, sorry. He should be on the we, podcast. He could defend himself. But let's do it. Let's do it. Right, you ready? Hey there, Squash fans, and thanks for coming back to another episode of The Breakdown with myself, Connor Malley, and my co-host, Bill Buckingham and PJ Paul Johnson. But in this one, despite all of our hoping and wishing, Santa Claus didn't bring us any PJs, meaning Paul Johnson was too busy working away so he couldn't join. So Bill and I have to try and pick up the slack, and we catch you up on the adventures of the Professional Squash Tour, where we talk through Chicago, both the Windy City Open and Bill's rankings of the restaurants he went to. We also touch on Black Ball and the Canary Wharf and some of the highlights of those events. Closing it out, we talk about the wrap-up of the college squash season and Bill's opinions on doubles squash. Quick thank you to our sponsor, Pro Sport LED, who actually has some very interesting developments going on. They are strengthening their partnerships within the racket sports world. They are partnering up with Padel Plus to bring Padel courts into the United States and the UK. And just like their LED lights, these are premium quality courts at great prices. What's also unique about Padel Plus is their canopy roof structure that has all of the great qualities of getting an outdoor playing experience, but you have the dependability. You can play your match regardless of rain or snow. So if you know of anyone interested in lights or Padel courts, please go ahead and put us in touch. Reach out to us at squashradio at gmail.com. That's squashradio at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. What about this? This call is being recorded. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of The Breakdown with my co-hosts, Bill Buckingham and PJ. Bill, welcome to hey. the show. Hey, mate. How are you? <laughs> that that's my PJ. Imitation. That's your PJ. <laughs> and PJ, how are you doing? Hey, oh. mate. D- doing well. Um, glad to be here. I was on like 19 other podcasts, and I know I haven't found the time for you guys, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very busy working. I'm very yeah. busy working. So, Well, just to be clear, PJ is not going to be able to join us today, although there's a chance he may join this episode. I, I haven't given up. Given up? No. I mean, it's it's great when PJ's on because he is he lends the uh, for our half baked opinions on squash and on pro squash specifically. PJ, there's some validity to his opinions. Like we all bring played, something to the table, Bill. You I know guess, what? But P, PJ has played squash at the highest levels. Granted, it was like a thousand years ago when they were playing with sweaters and wooden rackets, but he still did play squash at the highest level. And um, and he coaches. He quote air quote coaches still, and he does PSA TV once every seven tournaments. I think he's involved yeah. with. Yeah. So he has some credibility that we don't have. So it's we we miss you, PJ, is what we're saying. We do. So we're gonna pour pour one out for him. We are not purposely slandering you, PJ, because you're not on this episode. It's not a plan ahead of time that we said, you know, let's take the first four minutes of this and just bash PJ. It's yeah. this is that's not what it is. That is not this is, just this to is be organic. Clear. This is organic bashing, just to be clear. 
But uh, quickly speaking of other podcasts, Mr. Cunningham, yes. uh, you were just on another uh, episode. And I have to say there was a little budding bromance is what the headlines were reading. I'm torn now. I mean, and the thing is, I don't even, is his name Gary? It's Jerry. Jerry. So I, 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 you know, as we know, as we facetiously call, or I facetiously call him Barry Gibbs. Um, um, Jerry Gibson uh, had me on his podcast and he was unaware of the fact that I call him, um, that I call him Barry Gibbs. Uh, he was unaware. He it was one now. of the funniest moments in podcast history. I have to say. <laughs> yes. In podcast history. Exactly. That's what, that's what some are saying. Um, yes. He introduced me in his podcast as William Cunningham, which people often introduce me or, or call me Mr. Cunningham or William Cunningham, but he did it, um, not intentionally, but totally unaware that I purposefully mispronounce his name and call him a different name it's it's funny because on karma, social media, it's, this is just the karma yeah. coming back and smacking you in the face no, it was cool though he was good speaking, was, speaking was, of in or out it's called in squash so in squash check. podcast and yeah. he gave you kudos connor uh he had no idea who i was um no idea who i was in in regard to squash radio but he did give you total kudos for uh, you being the impetus for him starting his own podcast granted he has taken that oh my gosh he, it is he, i was machine. episode 206 we're like 200. we've been you know what? I got a like a Facebook memory of something I posted. Do you know, realize we've been doing this for well over a year and we only have 20 this is like the 22nd episode. 20, 24. Um, yeah. Look, <laughs> I, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep this trying to pump out more. And it's uh, yeah. yeah, I could tell. Where's the where's the music episode? We recorded like six months ago. Yeah, it's coming. Put it out, man. Come on. So Barry Gibson was was very good. It was a lot of fun being on his podcast. I'll tell you what, it's, it's much easier being a guest on a podcast than mm. it is hosting a podcast as far as content. He had all the questions and all I had to do was answer his question. So you might, as the host of this podcast, take that as a cue to maybe elicit more response from me instead of me having to carry the conversation and come up with both the questions and the answers, because that's very difficult to do. Yeah, that's right, Bill. It's uh, yeah. that's it's it's a tough burden that you uh, it's tough to get a word in sometimes, but I, I get it. Understood. So uh, along the lines of um, other podcasts, because I want to give a shout out to Ali Farag was interviewed on uh, the Noah and Kagan podcast. So you sent that to me is no, and I no pun intended, but I don't know in Kagan. And like, do you, do you know who he is? Like, is he? Yeah, he's a, he's a tech entrepreneur. Um, mm -hmm. He's been referred to as the Kevin Bacon of Silicon Valley. Uh, he's involved with everything. Like, yeah, back in the day, he was there. He was like the Mister Connector. He's been involved in you know like kind of new that that um, that whole scene before it really took off. Uh, so I mean, he he runs a company called AppSuno that has gone from you know he started himself and now it's up to hundred million dollars in revenue. And he picked up Squash a, a couple of, uh, like a year or two ago, and he's just a super fan. And, uh, and uh, he, he's the one that came to Houston to check out. And uh, when I realized oh, that was your guy, yeah, the guy who you sent me the podcast is the guy that you brought to Houston. Yeah. Oh, I didn't connect the two. Right. So, right. and you know, and he runs, he does YouTube, he does all this other content and is, I love that content stuff, right? It's tech, it's entrepreneurial. Um, and it was a really great interview with Ali Farag. I learned a lot about, um, about him. What was interesting was was hearing about how the um, there's a lot of mindset a talk and hearing Ali, you know, this is such as it would be for a top performing athlete, but it's always great to hear uh, or peek behind the curtain. And uh, Ali was sharing a lot about his mindset, how how losing really impacts him and how he kind of um, recovers from that. Yeah. And nice of Ali to go on his podcast. I asked him three times to come on ours and he said, no, he was too busy. Look, once we get the 100K follower mark, you know, that's yeah. probably 
That's his threshold, yeah. I heard. So. Well, maybe, maybe, or maybe if Ali comes on, we'll get 100K followers. How about that, Ali? How, how about the fact that I've supported your career since you were just a child growing up in, in Cairo and um, rooted for you? And I ask you one favor to come on my podcast and you say, no, I'm too busy. And the next thing you know, you're on some random tech guy's podcast. I wouldn't say it's that random tech guy, yeah. you know? But I don't know. Whatever. Random to you. Random to you. Whatever. I like Ali, so I'm not going to slander him here. Let's save our slander for PJ. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into uh, some of the uh, the topics we're going to cover today. And it's been a minute since we put out the last one. It's because uh, we've all been on the road. And um, where you were the MC of the Windy City Open. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Overall, I mean, I know that you really shine and you love doing the MC role. But I mean, what's that week like for you? It's fun. It's it's a fun week. Um, you know, there's a bit of a grind to it. Um, I think I counted up. Um, I forget what the actual total was, but it was just just a little bit slightly shy of 50 encore interviews. Um, so the early days are eight matches a day on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's a, it's a great experience. But yeah, um, after a while, coming up with questions, and I feel bad for the players too because they're probably so tired of answering the same questions over and over again. It's the Windy City Open's not like it used to be when when I started emceeing down in the basement at Drexel during like the qualifying rounds of the U.S. Open. I could ask like the most outlandish questions ever. It didn't matter because nobody was paying attention. It was on squash TV, but there weren't any really microphones down there. So the only people I was performing, performing for quote unquote, were the people in the stands. And so my job, I thought it was fun to say things that would make people laugh. And so I did. And my questions were so wacky and so out of bounds. It was crazy. Like what? And, um, uh, I used to, oh God, I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think. I'd have to think back, but I remember talking like talking about hockey. I'd, I'd make every question I asked relatable to another sport. Mm-hmm. And I talk about the Eagles and I talk about Philadelphia sports and just ask these questions that these people, these have no kids, clue. They had no clue, but I didn't care because <laughs> I, I thought they were funny. So I didn't care if they had no clue or not. And as, as I told Barry Gibson, I, I could learn my lesson with um that I, I couldn't Annie. do things like that with Annie Ow, yeah. uh when she, she wasn't, uh, she didn't. That was uh, a good speak. one. Do you want, you want to give the. Well, she didn't want to speak. She didn't speak great English back then. And I had I had come up with this big question and it had like a funny part of it. And it was, you know, relatable to Philadelphia sports. And I went on this. It's like a 10 part question, 10 part question with like, you know, exactly. And she had just like won a qualifying match. I mean, she did not speak English at all. And she looked at me like I had nine heads and just like looked up and I said, oh, okay, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, Annie Al and uh, off she went. So I learned my lesson there that you have to know who you could do with back then. The best per- people to interview back then were always Simon Rosner and um, and uh, and Nikki, um, <laughs> hmm. they Nikki Muller, because they understood what I was doing down there, and they always played down there. I mean, because they, you know, right? They, 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 Nick, you know, they just weren't. They weren't the seeds at that point. They, yeah. they weren't the seeds at that point, so they always played a match down there, whether it was even if it wasn't qualifying, it was one of the first the first two rounds, and they used to goof around just like I did. I remember uh, Simon Rosner. I walked out on court and. Um, he had just played a you know a brutal match. I think he had it just beat Nikki actually. And um, I walked out on court and I had like a really learned question, like you know, you, you found your length. You know, you ever see you know some of those people ask these questions like, hey, you really found your length, and you you know blah blah blah, like these really technical questions. So trying to impress myself and the audience, I came up with that. And Simone answered, I, I'm thinking what he said was, my favorite color is blue, or something totally <laughs> had nothing to do with my question. And I looked at him, I said, what do you mean? He goes. I told Nikki after the thing, no matter what you asked me, that's what I was going to answer. <laughs> so I appreciated that because that was kind of the free flowing goofiness down there that was that was allowed. Um, 
And at the Windy City Open, that's not allowed. So, I mean, this is, you know, it's a platinum event. Um, It's big money at stake. It's on squash TV. So the questions have to be squash related and related to the matches they played. And I cannot wait to do it again. Well, and um, that this was your first time in Chicago, uh, in a, sorry, uh, doing the Windy City Open. And what was your overall impression of the event? Uh, the event was great. It's it's such a cool venue. Um, it is, uh, you know, I was watching Canary Wharf, which just ended yesterday. And, uh, you know, I saw uh, how intimate that venue was and, you know, with the crowd drinking and things such as that, um, it you know, a bit rowdy at times. Uh, the Chicago venues, I, I'm guessing just by the looks of it, it is more intimate. Um, by what I'm looking at Canary Wharf, it looks like because there's no, um, n- not really the sidewall seating like there is at Canary Wharf. So the venue is incredible. And when the early rounds started in Chicago, um, and you know, there weren't that many people there as there never are during the early rounds that are during the week, I was like, when this place gets full, it's going to be great atmosphere. And it was, and you know, the, the fans of Chicago, as I talked about with Barry is, you know, the fans of Chicago are very learned. They know their squash. Everyone there seems to have been there before. They all know each other. They come in for, on, I talked to a bunch of people, came in on vacation for the tournament, uh, came in like for the week, early weekend, came in for the later rounds, and everybody knew their squash there. It was, like, seemed like a, a crowd full of squash players. And they were yeah. really, they look forward to it. It looks like this is something that they look forward to every year. And they supported the event. It was fun. The atmosphere was great. The knowledge of the fans as I, I told, um, and again, don't, don't listen to Barry's podcast in mind, because it'll probably be repeating a lot of the stuff I'm saying now. Um, listening to people's conversations with the players was, uh, was, was very illuminating for me and helped me with a lot of encore questions because the fans were asking like really strong, like really technical questions to the players. I saw a guy, some random, like 75 year old guy, like quizzing Paul call about how he holds his racket and like how he hits his backhand and stuff. And I was like, listening to it, sitting down, listening to it. And I was like, Holy cow, this guy really knows his stuff. And call was giving him like, like real technical answers. And I was like, Holy crap. Uh, you know, wh- where do you see that? Usually, as I said, people are like, Hey, could I have your picture? Could I, could I get your autograph? You know, Hey, congratulations. There's no, but these guys like talking squash with these folks and, and and really, really digging deep. So it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, Chicago is, uh, it's, that's the, I think this was the 40th year it's been hosted and really they love professional squash. And it's why they keep rallying behind them, the event to support it and, and seeing it go higher and higher. Uh, yeah. you, you just reminded me of a fan interaction. This is when Jonathan power was playing and he had lost and a, a fan, I actually didn't know this guy, so I don't, uh, but he went up to him and it was the, like the reverse of the guy asking Paul Cole questions. He started giving Jonathan power advice on his wrist <laughs> position <laughs> and he's just lost. Right. So he, he's pissed. And uh, this guy, this guy's giving him coaching tips on how to hold the racket better. Needless to say, Jonathan power uh, did what I think a lot of us would have done. We just basically told him to F off. <laughs> He's like, oh, is that how you do it? It's like, really? Right. I've been world number one. Like, I think I right. got this, and you're not my coach. Right, um, right. So I think that. Well, welcome to the welcome to the uh, wide world of sports, Jonathan. Imagine if if squash had actual journalism, where there was like newspapers following squash yeah. and criticizing, and you know, a daily beat report. We always talk about that. Whether there, were, you know, there's no real journalism in squash. Right. There's people who write match reports, and you know, they're not really. Nobody's really following the tour and criticizing and saying, "Hey, this. Why is this player, you know, not performing up to this capabilities? Why is this happening and this happening?" They would be getting second guessed and uh, and reading about themselves in the paper and Very everything true. that everything they're doing wrong or that what that reporter thinks they're doing wrong. They would they would read. So it's probably 
a bit startling for a squash player to hear that from someone outside their realm, you know, outside their little inner circle. So it's very true. It's very true. Well, I'd love to be a beat reporter for squash and follow You know, if I had like a, if there was like a squash newspaper and I'd have a column and just writing like what I thought was wrong with each player's performance, like be one of those, like the the writer who walks in and all the players like hate his guts. That would be awesome. Just start a blog, man. The blog is yeah, but nobody nobody reads nobody reads it. I don't want to be hated for no money. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. Uh, Well, last thing is, um, and 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 I if and I told John Flanagan uh, and the team this like this year felt a little bit special for some reason. I don't know whether it was just post pandemic, probably. Yeah, it was probably a lot of factors. It was just um, it was also up. The court was up an extra day early, uh, so we got mm-hmm. some extra matches on there. It was a great start to the event, you know, with Nathan Lake and Haley Mendez and the amount of Americans kind of playing. Like it just was from the from the word go. It was just well attended matches. And but I, I had to leave early, and so I missed the the other element of this uh, event where there were some celebrities that showed up, and um, you, you were able to get some selfies with them and that kind of stuff. But you know, yeah, Billy. I, I, Celebrities, yeah, I arrived on Tuesday. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> oh, you mean other celebrities? Other celebrities, yeah. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yes. Yeah, so yes. like Billie Jean King and, you know, what was your Dikembe. take on? Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah, it was awesome. On, on, uh, Dikembe came to for the quarterfinals um, and sat through the whole night session. I had a brief conversation, got a photo with him, but he was uh, he was definitely impressed with the athleticism of the players. He sat um, for the he sat both front wall and back wall, and so he got to see it from both angles. Um, and he interacted with the crowd. Uh, he might probably took a thousand pictures based on social media that I saw. So he was really into it. And he's it's funny. He's so tall. Mm-hmm. So tall um, that, you know, it's just unusual <laughs> to see somebody that tall, that tall at a squash tournament. Um, but as we remarked, because there were some guys sitting like right in the second row and he's like dead center court. And we were like this and we knew Dikembe was coming. He did not. I was like, that guy's going to be so bumming when Dikembe Matambo sits in front of him because he thinks he has the best seat in the house <laughs> right now. But we discovered Dikembe's a low sitter. Dikembe oh, really? Slouch, Dikembe slouches a little. So he actually looked uh, looked. He is actually shorter than the people he was sitting next to. So the guy the guy lucked out. Um, who knew? Who knew to come base slouched? So well, probably a learned behavior. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, 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 yeah. Not yeah. always be towering over other people, right? Right, definitely. But yeah, he was into it. He um he really enjoyed watching. Again, as I as I said, um typically when a celebrity or you know someone uh, like a high influential business person comes to one of these events. They come, they watch a game and they leave and they go on because they probably have a thousand other things to do or they just, you know, this is like they have no interest in it, really. Yeah. He stayed for the whole thing. He stayed for he got there before as the session started and he stayed till the very last point of the very last match. So Which is like four hours, right? I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it's a long night. Yeah, it was great. A lot of squash. A lot of squash. Wait, 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 wait. There's more? Hey, quick time out to hear a word from our sponsor. So how are your squash courts looking these days? Are the ball marks starting to add up? Do your courts need some attention and care? Well, in the U.S., there's a new solution coming your way. Pro Sport Court can be your one-stop shop for all your court care needs, from standard cleaning, painting, floor sanding, all the way up to lighting upgrades. Pro Sport Court can have your courts looking like new. Reach out to squashradio at gmail.com to learn more. Now back to our show. BJK was this BJK. I call her BJK now because, you know, I have did my she say, just call me BJK. 
Well, I, I rode the elevator with her twice, so I'm a um. You're in. She, she, a little, a little anecdote. I don't know if it, it'll be funny, and we could cut it out of the podcast because it, it was funny at the it's time. It's definitely cutting it. Okay. So <laughs> I got, I got into the elevator with BJK, and we were riding down to the, to the, you know, I think it was on the ninth floor where the court was, and we were riding down to the uh, main floor, and BJK's partner, who was with her, um, you know, during during the tournament, didn't know which one to push, which button to push, and BJK said always push the one with the star on it. Cause that means that's, that's typically the lobby or where they get up. And she goes, the woman goes, I had no idea. And BJK looked at her and said, is this the first time you've ever ridden an elevator? So it was just funny. And like everybody laughed in the elevator. So it was funny at the time because, <clears throat> but it was pretty startling that the woman didn't know that like the one with the star was the one that you push. She's like, how'd you know that? <laughs> Wait, you said that or BJK said that? BJK said that. Okay. Be, okay. I said it. So you no, were just witnessing all this. I was witnessing the humor for the first part. For the first time in my life, I wasn't like the facilitator of the humor. I was a witness to humor. Right. Right. So right. and they all, everybody giggled. There was a little giggle. So I giggled with BJK in the elevator. But, you guys are so, in. Yeah. So we could keep, we could cut that or not cut that, but I thought it was funny at the time. So, uh, so Billie Jean King, yeah. what, <laughs> what about her? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was, she came for the semis and the finals. Um, she again, stayed through the whole thing. And I, and as I said, I believe if there was another round the next night, she probably would have come for that too. I mean, she was into it. She was, I mean, Dikembe was into it. Billie Jean King was into it. Billie Jean King's like watched from every angle. She sat front wall, back wall, side wall, her, her, fists were clenched. She was like miming like a backhand and a forehand while people were playing. And she was like standing up and cheering. And I mean, every, she did not miss a beat. She wasn't like distracted by anything. It was pretty cool to watch. And, um, the, the brief interaction I had with her during the tournament, like during tournament play was right after, um, Marwan El Shrabagi melted down and Mm -hmm. whatever happened to him when his, his mind left his body. Um, I walked off court after interviewing Ibrahim and sat down next to her. And I, she, I was like, holy crap, what the hell was that? And she goes, what are you talking about? And I said, I've never seen anybody melt down like that. in a big event with the sponsors here. And, you know, it, to me, it was like startling, like how he lost it mentally, like was completely lost. And she goes, ah, I see that in tennis all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, with the, and I could see it in tennis with the money at stake. Tennis is, is a big deal. We're talking millions and millions of dollars. I had never seen anything like that in squash before. Yeah. I had seen players be idiots on court, obviously. And a lot of time it's for effect. And a lot of times Marwan does it for effect and to distract his opponent and, you know, try to get an edge with the ref. But yeah, I mean, he, that was different. He lost, <laughs> he mentally lost it. So I was, I was a little shaken up, shaken up by it. <laughs> BJK, not shaken up. So, yeah. but she, but she was cool and she definitely, she appreciates squash. It seems like she really likes squash actually. And, um, the social media, um, after she showed up, there was social media blew up a bit. Even her pages and other people's squash pages, having her here, there seemed like it had quite an impact. Yeah. And she did a great interview on squash TV, which you can YouTube, um, Billie Jean King and, uh, squash. Uh, did you watch that? I did watch it. The only thing I took away from it was Joe. I can't believe Joey asked her, like, who do you think is going to win the match? <laughs> yeah. It's like his go-to. Who, who do you think is going to win the yeah, match? Yeah, I think I, I thought the same thing. I was like, I think that's just reflex at this point. Yeah, he, <laughs> right? asked, like, everybody, he asked everybody that. He's like, he walks, he's like, I don't know. Like, who do you think? <laughs> what if he walks around like the streets of whatever town he lives in in England and like ask people who they think is going to do something? Yeah. Who, who's going to win this? Who's going to win this? <laughs> but it was good. Yeah, it was great. And it, it's good. It got a lot of play and people, uh, it, it was great. Joey did a great job with her because how much does Joey really know about Billie Jean King? He's number one. He's not American. Yeah. And so that, as far as title nine and all that, all that stuff that she's right. really known for, I mean, she's known for tennis, but she's more known for, you know, gender equality than, <clears throat> than anything. And the next day she was down in DC. 
like with Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden celebrating the 50th anniversary of Title IX. So um, <laughs> pretty, pretty cool to have her uh, have her at the squash, such, such a legend. And I actually saw video of her. I don't know if it was down in Florida. I'm assuming it was down in Florida. She was hitting a tennis ball the other day with uh, Martina Navratilova. And they were volleying, like they were standing across from each other and not letting the ball hit the ground and volleying each other. And they volleyed back and forth like 20 hits each. It was pretty impressive considering her age, like the hands she still has. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it was great. Great. It was very, very cool having her there for sure. And, you know, people appreciated her being there, but people didn't bug her. Like she wasn't, she wasn't like a distraction, like some celebrities could be at one of these things. So sure. it was cool. Very, very cool having her there. And uh, on the court, interesting story with Yusuf Ibrahim making a run to the finals a, a senior at princeton um, yeah yeah P played played very well uh obviously beat both shirbagi brothers which is quite an accomplishment he, he was very focused and uh it was nice to have a new face you know not to see the same old people in the finals and and you know in the semifinals. so it was really 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 cool to see him there um then then he went he had a chance at winning he came back, um, you know, call, Paul Call did not play great. That Paul Call played no, so, it, so great that whole event. And yeah. he, Paul Call did not play great in the final. He made a lot of errors, and he still hung on to win. Um, uh, uh, and, but Yusef, Yusef had a chance, for sure. N not to take anything away from Yusef, but Paul Call gave him an opportunity to win that tournament. The, oh, that's what I mean. Uh, so, I mean, it's the definition of a champion is winning w uh, when you're not on, right? Well, that's uh, what I said to Paul Call in the interview, and he said, he said, oh, I thought he played really well. I was like, dude. Number one, don't step on my question. People are here to see me, not here to see you. So number one, when I ask you a question, just agree with it. And but yeah, no, just winning like, ugly, right? Um, winning ugly—that's what he did. And it, it is a mark of a champion when you don't have your best stuff, you win. And that's what Paul Call did. That that and it's interesting that he got bounced by Victor Cruz in, in the next tournament and the uh, yeah uh, fairly early at, at Canary Wharf. So and and Yusef lost to Victor Cruz uh, that weekend. No, no surprise in the collegiate championship. So quite a week for young Mr. Ibrahim. And on the women's side, um, with Noor not making it, uh, Sherbini not making it to the finals kind of left the path open. Yeah. But you know what? I think and I always want the Sherbini girl. Uh, um, uh... We'll cut this. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, for I forgot Nora and Gohar's name. I've been, e I've been emailing with her all like yeah, yesterday. Yeah. About all right, you ready? And come back. And come back. Yeah, the uh, yeah. You always uh, want to see a Sherbini. Always want to always want to see one one against two, right? Right. That's the that's the goal is to see number one play number two, especially when it's Sherbini and Gohar, um, at both at the top of our games. But that being said, the Hamami Sherbini match was the match of the tournament. I mean, it was just phenomenal squash and just nip and tuck, and they battled each other. It was like edge of your seat stuff. And then Hamami played really well against Gohar in the final. I mean, she pushed her, and Gohar withstood it. So the women's squash during the you know, the windy city open was far 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 more entertaining than the men's squash the, the men's squash was like watching pro soccer like the the arguing it's just a, it's just a, it's a really melodrama it was it's just it, it gets to a point where you're like you know what and maybe it's just me because i had to be i was I, I was there the whole time so i'm like you know guys just get on with it for the people who were maybe in the audience who were just there for that no, one sessions I, maybe they enjoyed it i i think it's it's um it's hitting the point that something needs to be done. Like it's now we can't have these repeated patterns of behavior where we're not trying to solve that root cause issue. And it's, it's not just an isolate. It's not just single players. It's like multiple players. And there's that to be fair. There's a lot. I understand of the player side. And there's also a lot I understand from the referee side. Um, so I think we really do need to 
uh, pivot again and, and try and create more clarity for, I kind of call it the triad between the players, the referees, and also the association, because ultimately they have to try and uh, implement the rules. And you've talked about this with the, tr- the transparency that needs to increase, the clarity of like, hey, look, if you break these rules, what are the penalties involved? You know, in Formula One or in tennis, just even not showing up for a media press conference has rules and penalties, you know? So like, if we're trying to make the sport bigger, we need to like, there needs to be buy-in on, on all sides of how that can happen. That's right. sort of the off-court side and the, the, the ruling there, but the on-court, um, I think we need increased technology. The fact that we don't have clarity on double bounces or if the ball was in or out. I mean, you're playing, imagine that on championship point. Like that's going to be a big deal. Like, so we need well, we need technology to get rid of that. Yeah, but the, the, these guys know there is not the technology. So these guys play this sport every day, so they know it. That's the way it is. It is what it is. And so all the screaming and yelling in the world Correct. isn't going to change that right now. So for 100%. Marwan to do that in a platinum event, the the hot like the biggest prize money platinum event of the year in front of the main sponsor who's sitting right there yeah. star- looking at you. It's a semifinal now. It's, this isn't just, you know, it's a semifinal. Billie Jean King is right there. I mean, you're, it's embarrassing. You're it was, I mean, how could he not be suspended? How could like, mm-hmm. how could he not be suspended? He has to be. It, it, it was a, it in, embarrassed me as a spectator and as someone who's peripherally involved with, with squash. Um, it was, it's a joke. It's a joke. He, he should have the next day been suspended by the PSA. <laughs> The next day, he should not have been allowed to compete in wherever he. I think he just committed a, a um, Canary Wharf. I mean, it was it was an embarrassment. Thank goodness that the match after his turned out to be such a great match because people kind of forgot about it. And mm-hmm. you know, it's just it, yeah, it, it bugs it bugs me when yeah, when I he does. I agree. I think, um, and I'll never excuse a player's on court behavior like that. To me, is just. <clears throat> inexcusable and i agree that i'm far more zero tolerance and like let's just issue fines you know do all that stuff and try nip it in the butt like that's where i'm at i do think we do need to get that technology out there to just remove that as an issue like we we need to have that as a solvable issue to then by the way then we go down to well we still have to there's a lot of gray area within the sport and this isn't like baseball with balls and strikes and even though they have like that little box they're still not using that right there's a lot of they're they're allowing for gray in baseball so but we need to try and minimize that as much as possible right right well th- i mean the women have done it i mean they, they there's women they argue a little bit but they you know they move on that's the thing is they move on it just yeah it doesn't just it doesn't disrupt the game as much and 100 flowing squash between uh hamami and sherbini then hamami and, and gohar was just yeah. such a pleasure to watch it was yeah. so much fun and just, just it was competition it's what you come for like it was, you could tell it was a like a huge event that they were grinding and trying to win and they weren't letting anything distract them to doing that and, and the, i think the fans appreciated it too so we could get up on our soapboxes and, and talk about but i mean men squash at times it is hard 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 to watch and mm-hmm. as harder to bring a non-fan in to watch because if i had brought somebody in who had never <clears throat> seen this sport before and they sat there and had to watch those men's matches and the crying and the whinging and complaining on everything and the delays because of that and the referees explaining themselves to the players i'd be like they'd be like i don't want to come watch this nonsense no a hundred percent and that's what i think this is where i think the players are getting it wrong right it's like not only is that probably not the best way to promote your brand like mm-hmm. personal brand they're doing that because they're arguing over ranking points and prize money right? and pride, right? Right. But if we all have aspirations of this increasing, 
the amount of people you're turning off by by acting that way is is pronounced and like i actually heard a lot of that in in the in the locker room talk um going around like how many people have tried this uh, or brought people in and they've been turned off because of that behavior so it's it's hurting us and you know one of the things this isn't a vision broadly shared yet and that's something we need to try and change but the vision of the psa is to be you know a globally relevant entertainment product right and so if we if we lean into was that entertaining as the question right no it's, no, it's pretty simple, it, right? It's like it's like when I, I'm not a huge soccer fan, but I do tune into soccer. And if it, you know, when you start seeing the players like land on the ground and like twist and turn and they're just faking and things like that, it turns me off so much. Yeah. And I so I'll turn the channel just like if I'm not a squash fan and I, I'm watching that and I see all the nonsense, I'll turn it off. And, yeah. You know, it. I, I don't think the hardcore fans are ever going to turn away because of it. But it, and to, to bring new new fans into the game is almost impossible with what's going on in the men's I, game right now. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm definitely in the hardcore camp, but I'm not, I can't watch every match. And especially if it's like that, I, I, I will tune out. Right. I'll just, cause I'll just see the box score, see yeah. how it turned out. Yeah. And then you could always go back and watch it. Watch it. Watch yeah, it exactly. Rerun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I have been watching. Um, so, so before we leave Chicago, I know it's been a while is, um, so for the early rounds, you're kind of, you know, you're in, it's in long days. You can't go anywhere. You can't really go out to eat. You can't like really explore Chicago as the, uh, the sessions became, you know, where it was just starting at in the evening. I was able to get out a little bit and explore the Chicago food scene for uh, uh, and I had been really looking forward to it. So I ate at some really, really solid places. Um, you know, I had some people direct me. I had a couple people pick me up and actually bring me to restaurants. So it was a pleasure. What, what role, rank your number one? What was the best uh, one? Uh, I would say my, my best experience and, you know, now it didn't, it didn't come without hurdles because, you know, the, the, a, a very nice young woman who you had introduced me to, and she's a listener of the podcast. We won't mention her name for, for, uh, anonymity purposes, um, wanted to bring me to her favorite pizza place in Chicago. And so I was very excited to go. Um, I was going to go by myself because, you know, after Sunday night's matches, I think, um, the matches ended early. So I was going to go. Uh, and of course I called as I always do. Cause you know, I'm, cause I'm smart. Uh, I called up and said, Hey, some, uh, what some say OCD, but good. Some say OCD. What time are you serving to? And they say, Oh, uh, delivery is, um, uh, till nine 30. You could pick up until 10 o'clock or whatever the hours they said. I said, yeah, but I'd like to come in and sit and say, Oh, we don't do that. So save myself like a $25 Uber ride to nowhere. Um, so she didn't tell me that. So there was that she, cause she told me you could sit there. So, um, there was that. So, um, couldn't go. How many times did you bring it up? To just her? once. Yeah. Just, just once. once. Just, just once. once. Okay. Just oh, wow. once. Well, well, she, she was nice enough to offer then to pick me up for lunch on Monday, uh, which I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And again, um, didn't come without its hurdles. So I said, as when she picked me up and she was right on time. So I give her that because, you know, I'm one of those people who wants to be on time picked me up right in front of the club and was driving. And I said to her, should we call this in? Cause it's only to go. So we we're going to sit and eat it in her car. She said, no, 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 they'll, they'll be ready. They're just, you know, it's, it's all done ahead of time. You know, they have slices there. We'll be fine. Cool. She took me on a very nice ride through Chicago. Saw a lot of the sites, saw a lot of things I hadn't seen in the last, you know, since I had been there 20 something years ago, we get there, we go in and the woman walk in and said, Hey, can we have two slices? And the woman says, Oh, we don't do that ahead of time anymore. You need to order the whole pizza. It'll be 25 minutes to half an hour. <laughs> 
So I didn't roll my eyes. I didn't say anything because, again, she, the woman is so nice. You're just me. being affable at I, this point. I was point. being affable, and she was she was very pleasant company to talk to, and she you know she seemed uh, genuinely excited to bring me to this place. So we then went and sat in her car. And granted, I didn't know this woman, so I but you know me, I could make talk with anybody. So we talked for like 20 minutes until I ran out of things to talk about, and then I looked across the street, and there was a tamale place that said tamales, and Ooh. You know, so I said, you know, 10 minutes. Maybe, maybe by the time I come back, the pizza will be here. So I got out of the car, went across the street, picked up a couple tamales, the most expensive tamales in America, two tamales for $11, which is absolutely ridiculous. Were they big? They were no bigger than the ones I used to buy from the woman uh, when I lived on 116th Street in New York, and they were 75 cents. Inflation's um, real, a, man. Inflation is real. Ago. But they were good. They were good. But either way, I got back, and the pizza was there when I got back, and we sat in our car and ate pizza, and it was outstanding pizza. It really was. It was. And it this was is deep, deep dish pizza. Well, you know what? Deep dish. I guess it, it's hard to hard to say. It was definitely not thin crust, and but I don't know if it was considered deep dish. Or like not. how, how like, thick? Uh, thick. It was thick. I guess it's deep dish. I, I guess it is. But it was very good. It's called uh, my pie. So look it up online, My Pie Chicago. I liked it. Their tomatoes were like they had the crushed tomatoes on top, and their sausage was awesome. They make their own sausage, I guess, in-house, or they get it from some famous Chicago sausage purveyor. Um, what kind of cheese in the uh, – I'm assuming it was mozzarella, um, yeah. but it was good. It was it was, it was was all good. I think I think they use Froman's sausage from Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. It's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, great. So that was great. Um, so went there. Uh, ex- had and, uh, yeah. Shout out, shout out to um, to to my girl for picking me up and and doing that. It was awesome. This was, was we experience. had PizzaGate going on here. You guys were you know in fisticuffs practically prior to yeah. uh, meeting yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. Um, I also ate at Vermilion, which is um, a, a restaurant that's owned by uh, like a University Club of Chicago member. Uh, it's kind of like a, um, a eclectic Indian restaurant. Um, and I had outstanding butter chicken there. So I really? went there on you know, the night my pie called my pie and they weren't uh, I found out that you couldn't sit there. I, I called Vermilion and um, the guy was very nice. He said, we're about to close because we're doing some renovations in the morning. I said, just me. I'll be there for like an hour. And he said, come on down. And I was the only one in there. It was a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of cool. Because so is butter chicken your go-to? No, no. He he recommended it. And okay. it was it was spicy. It was good. Um, it was spicy? It was, That's what yeah. his butter chicken usually isn't spicy enough. For yeah, That's why I go Vindaloo. Yeah, they didn't have Vindaloo, actually. So I, mm-hmm. I went butter chicken. And the funny part was, so right after I got in, he locked the door so no one else could come in. And all these people started showing up and looking in. And there I am, like, sitting at the bar by myself. Like I was like a billionaire who like rented out the restaurant, like a recluse who rented out the restaurant so he could eat. And, they uh, knew who you were, right? They knew who they knew. They knew who I was. So that was outstanding. Um, went to uh, the Mexican, like a Mexican neighborhood, uh, and went to a restaurant called Los Camales and had just a ridiculous Mexican lunch for like thirty five bucks. We had tacos, yeah. we had rice and beans, we had chips, salsa, guacamole, and it was so cheap and so fresh and so good. So that was another home run. Um, so the only real quickly on I, that the the Chicago's Mexican food scene is is off the charts like it's just yeah yeah it was I uh, yeah if you know where to go because this this was a good it was like a twenty minute drive a guy uh, one of my one of my neighbors where I live in Connecticut her brother lives in Chicago and he picked me up and, and took me to lunch so n- nice nice people doing that for me I wish I was nice enough to return those kind of favors but unfortunately I'm not um one the one strikeout I had in Chicago was the last day the day of the finals it was like. 55 degrees so in chicago that summer yeah so i walked outside and people are wearing like shorts and t-shirts and things like that which was pretty startling um but i walked um because i wanted to go to a place called mr beef which is one of the original like 
beef places, like where you get what's called the Chicago beef, which is like the the shaved beef with the peppers and it's dunked in the juices. And this isn't the yeah. one under the bridge, is it? Uh, yes. Well, not yeah. under the bridge. It's past well past that. It was a good 35 minute walk from the U Club. Mm-hmm. But I knew it. I looked it up and I said, you know what? It's worth it. It's a beautiful day out. I have time. I'm going to do it. Go to Mr. Beef. I hadn't been there since we had done the U.S. Open like 12 years earlier. So really excited. Looked it up. Didn't call. Mental error didn't call. But Was this before was, my pie gate? Or, uh, uh, this is after my pie after, gate. So didn't yeah, learn the bad. lesson. My bad. But I looked online. It said open and people people had done recent reviews. I'm, I'm reading so know- my pie right now. It still says they do you know, slices. Yeah, they don't. They lie unless they unless they went back. Well, remember mandates changed um, starting on the twenty eighth when we were there in February, so it could have changed. Don't interrupt my beef story, Connor. By the way, um, so I hiked down to Mister Beef, which I had just read a review like somebody had been there like the day before and had eaten there. So I walked down there, thirty five minute walk, nice day, beautiful, no problem at all. I, you know, Mister Beef's a good hike from where I was, and I'm getting you know walking down there, getting around the corner. I think it was Orlean Street or something like that. Get on the corner and I see Mister Beef. I see the, the sign. I see like there's people out there. I said, this is going to be great. You know, people, you know, people are still going there. So obviously it's still good. Get there and I'm looking and I walk in and there's a guy at the bar and there's nobody else in there. And the guy at the bar with like, like phone, headphone, like um, headphones on like you have right now. Headsets. I, he, yeah. Headsets. He lifted the headset <laughs> and I said, Hey, are you guys open? He goes, no, we're filming a movie here this week. We're closed for the week. And I was like, Jesus, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I just walked all the way down here. And then I said, and I go and look out in the parking lot and there's like a huge movie set going on and they're filming a net. I think it's Netflix called. I'm trying to think what the name of it is. Um, it's about a restaurateur who moves to Chicago and it's called the bear or something like that, or something Chicago related. And so it's coming out on like prime video or Netflix and they were filming it for the whole week. So are you going to watch it or are you going to like hold a grudge against it? I'll probably hold a grudge against it and not watch it because of that. But I did go to Portillo's, which was like a couple blocks away, which is like the Cheney place. Um, I had a hot dog and a Chicago beef there, which were very good, but not, not Mr. Beef quality, but that was the only strikeout, but otherwise a, uh, a very, very successful Chicago, uh, food run and the, and the food at the university club is really good. Yeah. So, ate at the university club quite often during the tournament because you, you can't really run out during that. So really, really, really good stuff. So Chicago was a, good, a home run. Yeah, yeah. Really good food scene. Yeah. We'd love to go back to Chicago during the springtime, go see a Cubs game, you know, go see a White Sox game or something like that would, would definitely be an easy, easy flight from Connecticut. Like an the hour world champs will be in uh, June or July the following yeah. year. So yeah, 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 yeah. 20, 2023. Right. So yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely look forward to it. So yeah, yeah all good. It was, it was really good. Um, so that's my my Chicago story, if you will. Chicago chapter, yeah. My second home. Yeah. Um, well, beyond that, there's also been a lot of activity going on in the world of squash with um, Canary Wharf and Black Ball, which are, I don't know if this stands out to you, but we're, we've gotten very used to seeing men's and women's presented at the same time at major events. You know, and these are arguably like two huge events on the tour, but both um, single sex in terms of men and women at at, mm-hmm. at each one so what uh were you following these closely i did i watched a lot of it actually um i, I you know i, I watched for the mc to see how the mc is doing to see if i'm do you, do you just that. wait till the end is i that guess you... i fast I, I listen to the intros and then i don't watch and then i wait till the interview afterwards and i judge this is your game tape right this is your yeah, game tape but, yeah exa- exactly exactly and i compare and i listen to questions shake my head and just comment to myself that i could do a better job than you i can't believe you're doing this instead of me so yeah there's a lot of that going on but no, uh, seriously, um, I watched a ton of it. Um, black ball was black ball was great. The highlight of black ball for me was the um, the Gohar Joel King match, the semi Joel King on form. I mean, she played really well in Chicago, 
and um, but she stepped it up a notch. I mean, she crushed Amanda Sobe in the quarters. I mean, put on a clinic, and I was like, wow, she is really playing sharp. And now she's coming up against Gohar, who at this point, if you win a game against Gohar, you, you, it should be counted as a win, right? right. You, should, you, should, you should advance. Like, it should be <laughs> like everyone else should just start 2-0 up. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. It should be like a handicap system. Like you win a game, you move on, and she has to beat you 3-0. That's how well she's playing. So Joel, first game, she was like on fire. And it wasn't like Gohar was making mistakes. And I was like, holy cow, Joel is really primed for this. She thought about this match tactically and is, is wow, incredible. And the quality of play was so high. And then Gohar, as she is want to do at this point of her career, just another gear, went to another yeah. gear and they just battled. And it was in mean, Gohar, uh, e- you know, eked it out in the end. And in the end, Joel had, you know, Joel, Joel was spent by the by the fourth game, but just an awesome match to watch. Unfortunately, the final of Black Ball, um, um, Nor got hurt, Nor Shabini got hurt. And so Noron beat her. Uh, uh, she had to retire during the match. First game was incredible, but then, um, unclear what she hurt maybe something in her leg or something like that but she had to retire unfortunately because i was excited to see both of those folks at the top of their game playing in a platinum final uh, and seeing the quality of play so watched a ton of it it was it was really fun to watch and also there was um sort of not breaking news but the announcement that um there'll be a changing the guards at the the top of the world number one ranking (laughs) yes the best part was yeah exactly (laughs) And, and I mean, Noron is playing the best squash, so she she deserved number one. The best part was that the MC broke the news to Norel Shabini after Nor after Nor won her semi. She said she's like, yeah, you're playing uh, Noron in the final. You know, tough being you know you've been world number one for 15 months or whatever it is, and uh, you know she's gonna take it over. But Nor was like, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> you're like i'm just learning that now uh i don't yeah. know how i feel about that yes thank you for breaking that for me so it was kind of an awkward moment um it kind of brushed by glad you know nor she's so sweet and everything so yeah. she didn't like react to it like she could have, but it was pretty fun. pretty funny just considering the whole like the lead up to paul call and ali farag everybody talked that's everybody talked about nobody talked about this until that tournament and that that nor if noron won her semi she would uh she would be number one so it was pretty funny but yeah all, all great great event canary wharf also obviously good glued to it watched a ton of it asal asal was back right and yeah. so it just shows i watched a lot of that because asal was part of it and i'm one of the one of those people yeah that, like, I, I see i see him as an attraction he's one of those people who's i mean he, appointment he, viewing he is a he is appointment viewing man i tell you what you, you don't love him or hate him you have to watch him he, he yeah. is and he knows it too i mean he oh, knows yeah. it no he's it's nice. Totally. I, I I mean, it definitely, I glued, uh, I, I was watching it way more. And I, I, also just for people who don't follow this as closely is uh, it's two out of three up until the semifinals. So you pay yep. best out of three, which, which I love. I think it's great. And you know, what's interesting at the event itself, it's done very purposefully. It's like, you kind of know what you're going to get again for. You're mm-hmm. kind of, um, you know, you're trying to wrap up the evening by 10 PM. That way you're not going late into the evening. So from a yep. fan experience, you kind of know, Hey, uh, this is what I can commit to, and this is perfect timing. You know. Yep. yep. No, I, I, I love, I love the two out of three. I, I mean, I wouldn't care if they did it all the way through to the finals. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I mean, I know people. I know it would suck for the final because if you paid a, paid money for a two out of you know a ticket. And some of the matches go. I mean, gosh, uh, the make it, the make ninety minutes, one hundred twenty. Making a solid match. Granted, there was like you know a lot, a lot of, of stoppage, a lot of, yeah, a lot of stoppage time. But yeah, it was exciting. I watched, I watched, um, and, and got good for Dasuki for coming through and winning. Oh my gosh. 
Wow. All, all signs pointed to Asal was somehow going to like find a way to win that tournament. He, he made it clear that he really came to win and he wanted to win. And, uh, and Disuki blunted him and, and stopped three him. 3-0 some... too, right? Or is it 3-1? Uh, yeah, straight, straight game. Yeah, I was right. Yeah, so 3, I mean, 3-0. Uh, uh, but, but going, you know, full hour, that's a lot. And um, Disuki yeah, second... almost caving at the end, you know, like yeah. he... Yeah, the, so the many sec- unforced errors. I know the second game was the key, though. He 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 pulled out that second game to take a two zero lead to, is such a mental such a mental barrier to get over. But Asal was, I mean, it's funny. Funny Asal Tsuki won the tournament, but Asal was the star of the tournament. A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure. And honestly, in watching the the refereeing was was very fair. It looked like they didn't look like they were trying to punish uh, punish Asal. I agree. But, uh, so they were he was able to play his game and some his movement up front i mean some of the some of the drop shots that he got to with his lunges i'm like man my hamstrings hurt watching him oh my gosh and he hit that ball that went straight down the line it was and his his match against yeah his diego the i watched the whole diego him and he and diego alias which was like a little bit of a nascar football kind of game because a lot of contact and a lot a lot of a lot of stuff a lot of stuff happening but it was such great squash at times in both of those players i mean diego Diego lacks that certain something that Asal has, like that killer instinct, I think maybe it is. And as I pointed out to someone who asked me, you know, Diego's still a little bit immature. Um, <laughs> as as young as Asal is, he seems more mature than Diego on court for some reason. And I think he's like probably five, six, seven years younger. So, um, but yeah, that was a, just an, a, a great match to watch. And if you have PSA TV, go ahead and uh, and, and watch the replay of that. So very, very exciting. Yeah, so great, yeah, great so it's squash. Been some good, great squash. And now the British Open coming up. And now we have, you know, Barring injuries, we have basically we have um, Call, Farag, Asal, Elias, still Tarek, now Dasuki coming onto the scene. I mean, Nicky Mueller playing ridiculously good squash, you know, so he's a threat. So just, I mean, obviously Joel Macon. So the, the British Open portends to be just a fantastic, fantastic tournament on the men's side and the women's side. Women's side, I, I, you know, unfortunately, the, although the quality squash is at an all-time high, um, Nor, Noron, uh, and Hamami seem to, I mean, Joel They're broke in. S- separating from the pack. You know? Yeah, separated from the pack a little bit. Joel played at the top of her game and, and was really, obviously, uber competitive against uh, against Nor. But, uh, yeah, it seems like those three have separated themselves from the pack. So, hopefully, it won't um, it won't just be a, a, uh, a Nor as much as we, you know, appreciate greatness. Hopefully, she won't just run through this tournament like she's run through every tournament. So, yeah. yeah, but I'm excited. I'm excited for the, uh, for the British open. It's going to, I think, I think it's going to be great. There's always, there's always so much excitement behind that event. It's, you know, it still has, still has that, that Augusta national feel of it. Like it's the premier event in squash, you know, yeah. whether prize money is the same, you know, not as high as at other tournaments and there's the pyramids and there's the world championships and stuff. The British open is the British open. A hundred percent. It's kind of like you said, it's, it's the prestige of the, whether it's the masters and golf or, you know, uh, Wimbledon and tennis or something like that. Like it just has that extra prestige behind it. Uh, and, and this will be the last year it's been, um, hosted in Hull for a long period of time. And that this was almost a 10 year deal struck 10 years ago. Uh, but it's coming to an end. So they're going to be shopping around cities to see where it goes. London is an obvious one, um, that it might go to, but the England squash and the PSA are going to be shopping around to see where yeah. it should land, which would be interesting yeah. to mix it up, you know, cause I think, the cities make a big difference towards, um, y- y- you know, embracing the tournament. 
Yeah, it's it's, it's a difficult uh, balancing act I did the PSA has because, you know, you look at Canary Wharf and you're like, every tournament should be that, right? Like just packed to the brim, people going crazy. It's always full. And then having to move it somewhere, which is bit that's larger to accommodate the more things that are involved with like a British open with yeah. like exhibitions and things like that. But then you look at it and the stands are half full because it's, you know, it holds, you know, a thousand people and only 300 people are yeah. showing up. So yeah. there's just such a tough balancing. Chicago's the same way. I mean, they're going to host the world championships in 23 and they're looking for a venue. And I'm like, why don't you just have it at the university club? I mean, pack this place out. It'll be, um, it'll be an awesome yeah. atmosphere. And they're like, well, we have this and that. There's like a lot of auxiliary things that need to be part of the event that like yeah. the university club can't handle because of the size. I think um, like if we remove certain constraints that we have of reality of um, build time on the court, um, cost of renting venues, all this stuff, likely what it would be is um, earlier rounds played at one venue and then you move to whether it's the quarterfinals or the semifinals that you go into the bigger venue. Yeah. Right. I mean, this, this, by the way, this happens in tennis. Arthur Ashe stadium is not filled out the entire time. No, and I then know. as you progress through, it is packed, right? So we're, it's not unique to the sport of squash. What is unique to the sport of squash is like, we're constantly erecting these built pop-up arenas essentially. Right. But with Arthur Ashe, I mean, it's not full because there's other um, matches going on and other things and you have one ticket and it covers it all. So you're sitting some, you know, you have a ticket to Arthur Ashe. You might not want to go in because there's a match no. playing on the outer courts. Right. Um, that's not exactly how it works. Like you don't like not everyone can get into Arthur Ashe. Right. Oh, like they don't have, do that like that no, anymore. No, no. It's been a while since I've yeah. done. I thought your your admission gives you a seat in Arthur Ashe and then you're allowed to wander to other venues. So it's basically Armstrong. You get Arthur, Arthur Ashe or Armstrong is the other one. And then if you have either tickets, you can go to the ground pass. You can go walk around, but some people oh, just okay. get grounds pass. Then you get, you get a, where your seat is to go watch the main venues. Then you can go watch it there. So, but it, it, it just highlights, you know, it is a challenge for the early rounds. And so how do we maximize attendance? Um, and having, it's going to be hard to get to that point, you know? Right. Um, Could you cut that part out where I didn't know the right thing about the U S open? Cause I have a, I have a, reputation for being correct a lot so i don't want to have people think i'm wrong about things so could we cut that <laughs> you do a lot of the editing man so uh yeah have have at it gotta keep my reputation intact yeah well before we uh just quickly touch on it's hard uh not to touch on it with the college squash season coming to an end um which is yeah you yeah know, Exciting season uh, with the fans being back for the most part, again, with Omicron, then they started limiting fans. But at least for the championships, fans were allowed to go to UPenn for the men's and to Harvard for the women. So there was that atmosphere. So I feel I'm, I'm happy, happy for the uh, for the students, like especially the seniors. They didn't have to go out like in a in a pandemic year. So and again, the um, the, the men's final was an all timer. Harvard women kind of rolled as they as they are want to do through the championships. The uh, individuals though was were incredible, right? Like, I mean, I think you, you said this comment, so I'm going to give you credit, Bill. But um, Yusuf Ibrahim, probably the best player to come out of college squash, and will have not won a single individual championship. Yeah, interesting. I, I, I'm curious because uh, you know Al Hal Al Halabi um, Yasser was was always considered the greatest four time. Yeah, yeah, exa exactly. Um, but yeah, never won an individual championship. It's absolutely incredible. So, uh, got, hey, kudos to Victor Kruin. And then Kruin went Kruin went out, and so yeah. so in the op the opposite way, uh, Abraham had a great run in Chicago, 
went went to uh, the collegiate championships, lost in the final to Cruin. Cruin turns around and comes to uh, Canary Wharf and beats Paul Call. Yeah, right. I mean, that's just uh, absolutely spe- Paul Call struggles struggling against the college kids. I guess as as I said, maybe maybe there's like a you know a, a number one player at Bowden who could give Paul Call a tussle. It seems like Paul has a little has a little phobia against uh, against uh, college players. Yeah, come on, Paul. Yeah, come on, Paul. Um, so Harvard, uh, yet again, sweeping all the championships, uh, with the exception of the doubles. Jesus Christ, the doubles. I mean, come on. So, so I, and I, you know, I understand, I understand why I, I think I understand why they do it, but is it collegiate doubles is, I mean, it's a joke to call this a championship. They don't play doubles all season long and they have a collegiate doubles championship. So, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know the purpose of it. I've never really known the purpose of it. Um, can you, can you Connor explain besides the fact, trying to get people into doubles, which is fine, absolutely fine. But how could you have a collegiate championship for something that only takes place that weekend and call it a national championship? Please, Connor, explain, explain it to Bill. I I will. So when I was competing in the college squash ranks, it was definitely, um, it was confusing. I was like, what, what, same thing It's like, we don't play this. And why is that championship there? I do. I do think it is part, um, to try and get people exposed to hardball doubles. It is great. It's a very different game <laughs> than, than what we, uh, than singles if you've never played. So, um, it is a different skill set. You know, when, at, when I was playing and I, I thought this was a good home for it was, it was actually in December. So it was separated from the main event. So this year is the first time they've had it along the same weekend as an individual. So I think there's, for me, I would want to see more of the individuals and the doubles competing in the fall to give some sort of meaning to the fall. Well, why don't we do this? And I mean, I, I understand understanding that there aren't a lot of doubles courts out there and mm-hmm. that's, you know, may, may obviously a big restriction, but like at least have something leading up to it, have okay. other, have yeah. other tournaments, weekend matches, maybe, you know, these, these, some of these kids go up and play, they travel on a, in a van for, eight hours to play a 20 minute match, right? Yeah. Either get destroyed or destroy someone, find a doubles court near there and arrange something for those players to play a doubles. Like make a season. Yeah. Do something. I agree. I think there's been talk and this has been, um, it's like, could we be more like tennis, which has singles and doubles? Right. I think that's a vision of the sport potentially, but, but no real action has been, taken in my opinion because you'd have to go build all the doubles courts at right. all these facilities so, right. so that hasn't been a consideration but uh in tennis the way it works is so it's it's nine matches um six singles three doubles um and you only get one point for winning three doubles match and then you have the oh, yeah. yeah the three this the six singles make, so make, at least makes, it's incorporated right well, right if you're if you're the ncaa national doubles champion it's a thing right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, be, being 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 the intercollegiate squash doubles champion because that weekend you happen to pick your partner and you guys got together and, and won three matches after not doing anything the whole season in doubles and calling yourself a national champion i, I don't want to call it a joke but uh, i don't know if there's it, another word for it but joke it's a joke yeah i i hear it's still a championship out there to be won so <laughs> It's really not. This was the what I thought on the men's side. This is the first year Navy hasn't won it in a while. So I'm not sure what happened there. And I'll give a quick shout out. So it looked like uh, Yale on the men's side defeated Penn on the women's side. UVA, which they have two doubles courts, defeated Brown. And in the mixed, 
mixed doubles bill how, how exciting is that it was an all brown uh final so brown yeah shout, no, shout out shout out to the bears then yeah, yeah i take yeah. i take it all i take it all back just your recap of it was so riveting it was I, I take it back it's i can't wait i can't wait till next year i'm already looking forward to next year yeah who are your early picks I don't know. I, 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 I heard Middlebury has, 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 a is really, really looking forward to, uh, to, um, to putting together a, a very strong doubles contingent mm-hmm. for the two days that they're going to play doubles next year. Yeah. So, um, don't do, practice, do you know, don't practice too hard guys. The same debate is happening on the pro doubles tour of like, should I go to college or just go straight to the pro doubles <laughs> to the pro doubles tour? Exactly. Just so like, yeah, <laughs> no, 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 I don't want, I don't want this to be a referendum on doubles as a whole. No, because I, I was about to say the same thing. Like I love doubles actually. It's yeah, I don't, I don't, but, um, somebody, somebody asked me when I, when I pick up, when I'd start playing doubles, <laughs> I don't know if we could say this on this podcast. <laughs> was did, were you basically saying that, you know, when you can't move your legs or you can't, I, I I think I said I would I would play pickleball first, then I would die, and then I would play doubles. Oh my god! So well, that's pickleball pickleball death doubles. Though that's the uh, that's the ranking order. Doubles is more fun for me. I would I would play that as ninety to ninety five percent. You know what? If I was any good at it, I would probably play it too. Yeah. Doesn't 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 change the fact that there should not be a collegiate doubles championship if there's no doubles leading up. Yeah, to it. yeah. So that's it. Well, on that note. Is there any- my soapbox up on my soapbox? Do we have any other topics or are we done? No, I think we closed. That was the full slate, uh, so to speak. So um, it's good to get another right. one in the books, man. Yeah, after we edit this to make it sound like we know what we're talking about. How, how many games did Assault play, Dusuki? <laughs> I think it was 15. He won uh, 15-0. It was a you new thing they're testing out. Exactly. Then they should go play doubles right after that and have a double, like a Canary Wharf doubles championship. That would be awesome. So Yeah, there you go. No, that was All great, right, Connor. It's good, good to be back again. I hey PJ, if you're listening, PJ, thanks, you, thanks for you, your contribution today. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, I I would say, like, not being here, he contributed only like ten percent less than he normally does, <laughs> and, he, and he wasn't here at all. So, what do you think the chance of him actually listening? <laughs> none. There's a hundred percent none. Hundred percent. He doesn't know the name of it. You know that he thinks it's called Squadcast, so he has no idea. So, uh, it'd be just, funny if he just, just said. Like if he was at least calling it squash cast, I would be like totally, I was like, maybe I'd be questioning. Maybe I need to rebrand bill. Yep, exactly. All right, man. All right, Connor. No good night. Ya. No good night. Good night. Uh, what? Kaylee. Good night. We haven't done a good night. Kaylee in a long time. This year. Yeah. You also stopped me from saying what TBD number this is. So, you know, hey, TBD number 24. You got it. Is it? Yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome.